Sabaiti everyone, welcome back to Radio Opap Talk. This is Rachna. In this episode, we meet Dawa Droma from Zongsar, Tibet. Dawa Droma is a fascinating woman. She was herding yaks by the age of six. After a near-fatal illness, she focused on her studies and traveled to the United States to study business. She finished her studies, but coming from a creative family, she also managed to teach herself to shoot and edit documentaries which led her to work with the Smithsonian. But Dawa's heart belongs to Zongsar, and she came back home. So where is Zongsar? It's located in Dege province of the Tibet Autonomous Prefecture in Sichuan, China. That's to say it's remote. Surrounded by high Himalayan peaks, Zongsar is a community of artisans. Among the town's 6,000 residents, practically half practice some kind of Tibetan craft, including weaving, ceramics, wood carving, tanka painting, and metal smithing. Zongsar is also the birthplace of Chinla, a bronze casting method used to make Buddha and Bodhisattva statues that are revered by Tibetan Buddhists and monasteries around the world. Dava's father, Shali Nima, is the sixth generation master of this craft. Dava's brother, Dava Dropka, is the seventh generation master. Dawa Droma works with her father and her brother to run the Chinla Art Center. They make Chinla Lama bronze statues and train students in this craft. They're working to preserve their tradition and also to move forward. Zongsar has long been off the beaten path, but travelers are starting to trickle in and the modern world is catching up. Dawa tells us how the community is looking forward and adapting to these changes. The Lord Buddha instructs us to cultivate a bright mind state, compassionate, kind, loving. To me, Dava exemplifies the state. Bright, warm, gracious, and funny, you can feel her smile through her words. Please come with me to Zongsar and meet Dava Droma. Tashi Dale. Tashi Dale. Dava Droma, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. It's been like almost a year since we met each other and I still have really fond memories of meeting you and your family. That's good. Time flies, actually. So I'm really excited to talk about Chinle and about your experience in Zongsar. Um, Can you tell us a little about Chinle, the craft, um, the actual Tibetan clay and bronze craft? Because I don't think many people are familiar with this. Okay, so Chinle is a kind of a, a bronze alloy that Chin uh, refers to Chinze Rinpoche, and the Le refers to the type of the bronze we make in my family. So my family been making this type of bronze for right now for seven generations, and my father is the sixth generation of Chinle uh, lineage. So it started from Chinze uh, Ombo, the first Chinze Rinpoche, and he was born in 1820. So wow. to, uh, until this year, 2020, so it's om- already 200 years old. Uh, that's mm-hmm. quite interesting. So based yes. on our traditional bronze uh, making techniques and the statue making, uh, the first in Chinse Rinpoche made a little bit of a... Uh, editing I would say or and he refined their tradition again in his time so 
that that's why this is called Qin Le. It refers to Qinzi lineage Lama bronze. The tradition of making Lama bronze statues goes back centuries. While Buddha images have been made using clay, brick, stucco, and wood in other parts of the world, in Tibet, the gilt bronze Lama statue is the most common. Chinla is both the name of Dawa's family's art center and the name of the technique they use. The Chinla technique was developed in the 19th century by the first Chinse Rinpoche, the spiritual head of Zongsar Monastery. Lama bronze statues were already being made, although Chinse Rinpoche improved the alloys and techniques. Then he personally guided a local metalsmith how to make Chinle. After five generations of transmission, Tashi Dorji passed his Chinle skills to Shali Nima, Dawa's father, who is the current bearer of the tradition. Let's hear more. We do, the special alloy is uh, uh, seven different metals, including gold, copper, silver, all different, seven different metals. And um, we sell it in China and mainly in, in Tibetan areas. Uh, so in Tibetan culture, especially in Tibetan culture, is Lama bronze considered the even more valued than gold. Because uh, Lama bronze statue, uh, making a one uh, Lama bronze statue that equals to making seven different statues because they ha- it has seven different uh, 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 species or valued metals inside that. So that says another reason, and also another reason is the tech uh, texture of Lama bronze is very hard. And so mm-hmm. if it goes under earth or under water or for centuries, for centuries, it doesn't change the shape. So that's another reason why Lama considers so valued in Tibetan. And also in the making of it, I mean, you know, I had the honor of being in your workshop and just watching um, all the craftsmen work. It's so detailed and the details of the expressions, the hands, the the robes is is, is incredible. Yes, indeed. Um, so me or Chinle Art or Art Workshop Art Center, we have a thirty three arts and artisans right now. So we have a seventeen of them are qualified to make statues. So not the other ones are still in the process of learning and still improving by making other jewelries or smaller projects. But so you we when we are training them, like my father is doing his, um, you know, for his students, they we train them for decades. How many years does it usually take to become a master? 15 years. Okay. Uh, so or most of the statue makers, they have over 15 years of uh, uh, experience working with bronze. So now 70 masters and who are really able to make in the statues and we can only produce no more than 40 statues a year. That's incredible. If you do the calculation, you would uh, can you approximately a person can do two statues can make two statues a year. That's great. And is uh, when when somebody wants to become an apprentice, do they come to your dad and uh, and ask him 
if he'll take them on as an apprentice, or how does that typically work? Father, uh, for his lifetime, started from nine, nine, 1990s until today for three, almost four decades, he been uh, um, teaching students, teaching this technique. So for that many years, he taught over 200 students. Uh, we don't accept any money, uh, monetary <laughs> tuitions or anything for that. And, and to to anyone who really want to learn, also who have uh, not really a, priv a privileged life, who are poor or who are not really like uh, skilled in this society, he's really to teach any of them. It doesn't matter your gender or your uh, class or anything. So... One only thing he he requires the students is uh, no hunting, no gambling, no alcohol, and no fighting. Uh, fighting. So that's the tuition. We <laughs> we joke about that. <laughs> Before I go on to your father's philosophy about crafts, um, I just want to touch a little bit on um, Chinle's spiritual and aesthetic aspects because it's. On the one hand, it's very, um, it's an aesthetic craft. It's like uh, using the metal alloy and bronze, as you said, and in some cases, cl hard clay also, to create this beautiful statues. It takes a long time to do it and very meticulous process. Uh, but then there's a spiritual component to it too, where I recall the artisans who were working um, really see it as a form of doing merit. And then also once it, comes into somebody's house it takes on a very special meaning or in a monastery it's a very special meaning can you talk a little bit about how the spiritual and aesthetic component of this craft are intertwined yes so you would say that uh, this is a we are making buddhist statues so this is very different understanding of art compared to western countries and in tibetan area so you would maybe in Western countries you are when you talk about art is all about breaking down the uh, lines people set for you or express your own feelings or your own ideas and your perspective or your worldview. But mostly we what we make is a religious statue. So it's more about following the rules. And following about the uh, techniques and uh, uh, the gest uh, gestures of the Buddha and the story and history, we are more about uh, expressing what the message is carried with this certain statue. So that's uh, more important than your own idea or your own thoughts or things like your own fame or your own artistic view or things like that but at the same time so you would if you look at the histories of tibetan uh, famous um, tanka painters or uh, statue makers they are all all uh, monks or nuns religious people so that's because a lot of the in the traditions you have to have a very noble person uh, to make the art itself, you have to be very nice person who who has a, uh, who is really uh, highly respected and who is a, a nice person and kind, uh, someone who is compassionate and who is really modest, uh, modesty and things like that. So, 
if somebody is not nice, we don't believe what he's in. Uh, even the statue he's making, we don't think it has the power it should have. So the quality of the artisans will really reveal the quality of the statue they made. So it's really connected. And then it's also like the quality of, I mean, the process of making is also a way of doing merit and a, and a kind of um, spiritual practice as well. Indeed. So lots of the artisans you know, who works in your family, they are really like uh, believe that uh, making statue will bring good merit. So we have a story. We have uh, a old man who is over eighties, and he used to work at or our center. We we pay him. So he's his wife passed away for many years and then I, I asked him one day he doesn't really mean a lot of money because he's a Buddhist and he his um, son and the daughters are old enough to keep him uh, you know he's a need so I I asked him, I'm like, you're so old and then he's doing the polishing, the very basic thing about making statues. Uh, when you finish everyone such you you need to do the polishing with the cloth and the leather things like that so I asked him and he told me he said oh my wife passed away uh, a few years ago and I hope uh, I won't do some good merit for her so in the next time when uh, in her lifetime in her next life or in the future uh, when she carries on she will have a better life or a better marriage to have a better life with better future so as I um, I was really touched and he said every statue you are making in this art center I will be honored because I will able to uh, use my own hand to touch them and clean them polish them and think uh, you will good make a, uh, earn a good marriage, so and uh, he want to <laughs> uh, give it that to all his wife, uh, his wife who passed away a few years ago. I was really touched by his behave, and I feel like, oh my God, this is such That's... a nice and a romantic, but a different type of romance. <laughs> exactly, and it's so um, it's such a wonderful quality to you know, just thinking about somebody else, you know, doing it not for your own well-being or for your own future, but but doing it for somebody who's, you know, you've shared a life with and who you care about. That's, that is really touching. Shali Nima Daba's father is a renowned Lama bronze master and a dedicated teacher. Over the years, he's been offered employment at factories and large workshops in China, but he always refused. When Dawa was eight years old, she suffered a rare illness which required intensive hospital care. During this time, the family had little money and a well-paying factory job could have relieved the financial stress. But even then, Shali Nima refused. This is because Shali Nima has a strong commitment to the Chinle craft. He believes Chinle can sustain a community spiritually, culturally, and economically. He's committed to teaching and will accept any apprentice serious about learning, regardless of their gender or social background. He feels strongly that craft made and produced locally can help a community thrive. 
Let's hear Dava share her father's approach and philosophy. So my father started uh, making, learning about making statues when he was, uh, when he was seven. So now he's 40, uh, 51, 52. So he been working with bronze for more than <laughs> four decades, like 40 something. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was really talented and he was one of the best student of his uh, teacher. So, and uh, he is also one of the most uh, uh, stubborn students, I would say. <laughs> so if he has, he set his mind on something and he will do it and he will do his way. And there is no other ways to change his mind. Yeah, when I was young, I was really sick and we had, we need a lot of money to go see the doctor and things like that. And uh, during that time, there is a big factory in Chengdu, which is one of the big cities, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, um, uh, said he would like to pay him 1,000 yuan a day, so it's over $100. Uh, it's uh, quite a lot of money during that time, yes. even for now, but he, my father refused. Uh, they have a big factory of making statues and Buddhist uh, objects, but he said no. He uh, for, first, uh, firstly, uh, to be honest, he really didn't like the city, and he's a really mountain boy. I would say <laughs> he loves mountain, he loves nature, and he will he will die if he need to live in a city. And then, secondly, he really thinks this tradition need to keep keep on going, and this should be on the locals' hands the local Zongsa yes. people and them. And and at the same time, he think this is a very valued technique and lineage that will really can bring the people out of the poverty. So he think that uh, it's more my, uh, meaningful to teach the local people uh, in Zongsa rather than really working, getting highly paid and working in Chengdu. He think it's more meaningful here. So he, he borrowed a lot of, lot of money <laughs> to open his art center, first art center in 2003. So well, at that time I was in school, so most of time when I was out school, uh, he he's struggling feeding his students, and I need to struggle to feed myself in school <laughs> to get a lot of jobs. <laughs> and sometimes I feel really unfair because I feel like, oh, I should, should you should take care of me because I'm your dad, you are my dad, <laughs> not their dad. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think after so many years, and he taught me to be very independent person, uh, woman, and also at the same time, uh, the love of his his love of uh, art and his love of the, his students and this community really, uh, it's taught me more than anything he could. Yeah, and you actually went to the States to study and I remember you telling me that, you know, as thrilling as that was and you, you made, you know, you studied in the States, you made film, you worked at the Smithsonian even, but your heart was to come back and to work with your father and your brother. Um, so I think maybe you have a little bit of a spirit as well. Yes, indeed. After maybe once I grew up, I think uh, I feel like in the communities I grew up is more than everything to me. And that taught me so much things. I feel, uh, I feel 
uh, I have something, uh, I have somewhere to belong to. That's something that I think is very gifted that I, when I compare myself with other students in the United States, I feel so privileged to have this community at my back. So, and at the same time, my father was struggling too because uh, lots of the student art uh, forms are very highly expensive, but he doesn't want to uh, load down the quality. And uh, yes. there are some points that we can really like, we are, I was like, oh my God, this is really hard and this is not going well. And uh, we need to make it fast or something like that. People outside doesn't understand because uh, we, why we are making so much time to make one statues and then people are making hundreds of statues a day and uh, using machines, uh, using manufactured techniques and things like that and and then my father once told me and he said for his lifetime he will only live in this world no more than 100 years but his statues will live for a thousand and thousand years and then he said making a good statue is more more important than making a better man now let's see what lies ahead for Songsar. Technically, Songsar is located in China's Sichuan province, but historically it's part of the Dege Kingdom, which is Tibet's cultural heartland. The Chinle Art Center is situated in a picturesque village in a long, narrow valley flanked by steep Himalayan mountains. There are grasslands dotted with shaggy yaks, icy glacier streams and lakes. There are high meadows, perfect for picnicking, which I learned Tibetans love to do. Pilgrims have been coming here for hundreds of years to pay their respects at Zongsar Monastery. Built in the 8th century, Zongsar Monastery is the seat of Chinse Rinpoche, one of the most revered monks in Tibetan Buddhism. There is a Buddhist university here, with hundreds of monks studying Buddhist philosophy and scripture. There is also a traditional Tibetan medicine apothecary, the Dege Sutra Printing House, where Buddhist texts are printed using hand-carved printing blocks, is just down the road. These sites, plus uplifting mountain air, beautiful trekking routes, and creative workshops are slowly attracting more travelers. What does the influx of travelers mean for Zongsar? How will they navigate and balance tradition and growth? Yeah, so Zongsa is a really special place and uh, compared to a lot of places in Tibetan. And I think one of the most uh, comprehensive, uh, dynamic um, culture still going on and the place in uh, right now. And it has a lot of to do with the history. After Cultural Revolution, uh, when China opens up in 18, 20, um, 19, 1980s, and uh, mm -hmm. the Zongsa Monastery is rebuilt, my grandpa has uh, involved in uh, involved in the cultural um, renaissance during that time. So they started doing the uh, Buddhist center, and then art schools are coming up, all those things. And so right now in Zongsa, it's also a second name. It's called the Valley of Art and Craft. So we have over, over 
15 different art, uh, including, including tanka painting, pottery, clay, bronze making, smithing, uh, and weaving, ca carpet uh, weaving, and all sorts of things. And so uh, for whole population, it's only 6,300 people, and uh, we have over 2,000 artisans here. So every family has one or two artisans, some of them are like my family. Every one of us are artisans beside myself, uh, beside myself. So, so. Well, we'll get, we'll get to that because I think you're an artisan too, but in a different way. I think what you brought up is something really interesting too, you know, where you are. Um, Tibet has, has a very complex history, especially after the 1950s. And then after the Cultural Revolution, as you said, um, it wasn't until 1980 that things really opened up again and there was a bit of a renaissance as you as you use the word um, and it's a good word because many things were not practiced like they should have been and now they're being able to practice a little bit more freely and Zongsar which was isolated for a long time is now coming kind of becoming a little bit more open for example when I was there you know, we saw a lot of road construction um, and a lot of travel from kind of eastern China coming to visit. And how has that, you know, what kind of impact has that made in in the community? Mm, so for even for now, it's Zongsai is quite a remote place and not a lot of people would know about the this place. Uh, and not maybe a lot of no a lot of people know about this place but never really had a chance to get here. Cause not like any other places, you if you are coming to Zongsai, you are really coming to Zongsai. You are not <laughs> going to get here by going anywhere else. And you it's not an easy drive or it's easy trip it's a really you need to uh, sacrifice days of days and to get here maybe change a few different types of transportations uh, flights a drive or maybe cars and all sorts of things so that's kind of thing this i think um, is another reason safeguarded the zongsa you know, so well compared to other places when tibetan is becoming a such a touristy place for lots of people not only for China but only all the other countries Europe or Americans or all sorts of places so so right now uh, as you know like uh, they opened the airport last year so now have we have uh, flights coming in and out uh, every day few times and uh, mm -hmm. and the car uh, the road road is much better now so we are also worried about what's kind of uh, coming up to us. But still, we are not middle of anywhere. So we we really, like if somebody is coming to Zonza, they are really coming to Zonza. But this is something that uh, it's a global issue. It's not only about in Tibet or only about Zonza, mm -hmm. but it's something consequence or uh, situation going on everywhere in in the globe. So... We what we want is uh, still uh, want to at least that uh, we want to make sure that uh, locals have a voice to that. Dabra Tropka, Dabra Droma's brother, is following in his father's footsteps. 
and with the new generation comes new ideas. Let's hear Dawa Droma tell us how her brother supports his father's vision and strikes a balance between tradition and innovation. Now, right now, it's a, such an interesting time uh, uh, in the history of right now. It's a very interesting time for Zongsa and also for, um, for my family, too. Uh, but I think we, you know, what we keeps us balanced is that we know what we need to put our focus on. We focus more on the tradition. Everything we do is to make sure the tradition of my family's brown lineage can go on. He actually, his perspective and his creativity and his techy ideas uh, really puts a new vibe and a new life to our art uh, lineage. You might see some of his products. Uh, so besides uh, doing the Tibetan uh, very special traditional bronze statues, we, my brother designed a new collection of uh, bronze uh, products, which is necklace and uh, earrings, all sorts of things that are all based on the traditional local stories. And then he designed it and uh, used the traditional techniques and then uh, make something new that uh, everybody in this world or this time of uh, era can accept and uh, use, make a use in their lifetime. So I think uh, uh, those products have been you know, becoming the best-selling products of our art center right now. Yeah, and it also makes it very accessible for people who might not be able to invest in in a bigger statue, let's say, and but whereas they can get the same sort of spiritual and aesthetic uh, component in one of the necklaces. Indeed, and also it gives uh, gives a lot of opportunities for the st- students to uh, yeah. have a chance to grow their uh, uh, skill and at the same time make money. Uh, so they don't need to have pressure to uh, investing too much time to learning learning about making statues, but not making enough money before they became the master. So that gives a lot of chance, so better chance to have uh, for the students to keep learning and it, you know, um, uh, like better their skills. So Dava. Um You've talked about your father, you've talked about your brother, you've talked about Zongzar uh, and this incredible tradition, and now I want to talk about you. Okay. Um, <laughs> because you're pretty incredible also. Um, you're, I see you as more, you know, you're kind of the sole storyteller of the family. And when I was there, you regaled us with so many fascinating stories about your early life, your herding yaks when you were six years old, an illness that nearly took your life, um, your studies in the U.S., your work at the Smithsonian. Um, and, you know, you began, when you came back, you began writing books on Tibetan folk traditions and folk songs. And then you taught yourself how to make movies. And I'd really love to talk about your movie, um, White Lies, which is I think really a beautiful, um, there's so many beautiful moments in it, and particularly the relationship between Tibetan people and the yaks and the grasslands and the mountains. Can you tell us a little bit about this film and what made you want to tell this story? 
Actually, I didn't really like、uh, want to tell、uh, the story to me to and then make the film. Actually, it happens that I was making a film about crafts, and then finally, suddenly saw my、uh, baby yaks is missing, and the mom is really worried. And I, during that time, I was not a mom yet, so、mm-hmm. but I still have my mom. So I thought this. Why not catch this? And it's a real documentary film. I want to see what happens because you know, like in Tibetan, Tibetan Buddhist, it means all sentient beings are equal. Yes. And everything we need to, oh, every living beings we need to really equally treat them with respect and passion,、uh, compassion. So、uh, that's why I start making the film about why lies and or baby. Uh, Zomo and how she re- reacts to the、uh, reacts to when he her baby is missing and how the keeper yak、uh, keeper how she comforts the the mother. So、mm-hmm. I think it shows a lot of、uh, or、uh, shows a lot of Tibetan worldview or how we respect the animals, how we. The relationship between animals, us, and then how we live as a family, and how we take care of each other, how we are, our lives are intervene. Yes, very intertwined. I mean, the yaks provide you with so much. I mean, you know, fiber, food, companionship. The why did you call it white lies? So because you know, like the end, the end of the film, you would see that、um, they they stuff the baby's skin. So it's like saying that、uh, comforting the yak,、uh, saying that your baby is not dead; he's still here. So、yeah. I think it's a kind of white lies. It's a not. It's it's the truth.、Uh, truths are really crucial. <laughs> They are harsh. <laughs> And then they try to like、uh, tell the yak that saying,、uh, t- telling them a lie that saying that your baby is still alive here.、Mm, so I think it's a,、uh, it's a kind of,、uh, uh, it's a kind of lie, but it's also kind of a lie that you,、uh, for the purpose of goodness. <laughs> Well, it's compassion, right? And also,、um, uh, my teacher used to tell me that uh, um, mother's、uh, compassion is the one of the closest compassion to Buddhahood. So I think that also has a lot to do with the film too. Dawa, what keeps you awake at night besides your baby son? Yes, baby sounds now. <laughs> Is there something that worries you about the future or about Zongsar? I think about、um, I'm worried about like、uh, conflicts between countries, between regions, and、mm-hmm. like uh, uh, contagious virus like COVID.、Uh, I'm worried about these things, natural disasters and things like that. And then everything beside that is not really, because、uh, uh, life itself it's, it has so much to worry, and there is troubles and worries coming up all the time. No matter how good your life is,、uh, how successful you are, and so I think it's.、Mm, 
it's more important to how to really train your own mind and how to really study your own mind, uh, your or your or your own awareness and things like that. So I think beside uh, conflicts between countries or like this contagious uh, virus uh, disease, everything else is uh, not big deal to worry about <laughs> otherwise you know life itself is not easy it's a lot of worries and traumas and dramas and things like that so i think it's really important to really keep your mind and in peace and study about your life and study about your mind try to how to train yourself train your mind to be in the moment and to to accept things as they are and, and know that it will pass. Yeah. And try yeah. your best to do your part and then everything else, let it see, let it happen. Don't really mess with it and don't worry. Nature, Buddhism, culture and family are intimately tied to life in Zongsar. Here, compassion and goodwill flow freely. I visited Zongsar back in 2019 and my time at the Chinle Art Center was transformative. If you're looking for a travel experience where you, you can engage with a wonderfully rich arts culture and a warm, gracious family, I encourage you to travel to Zongsar. Stay with Dawa Droma's family at their guest house, built in the traditional Tibetan architectural style. Take some artisan workshops around the community, cook, hike, go on some picnics. And of course, see how Chinle Lama bronze statues are made. It's really a wonderful place and a wonderful experience. For more information on Chinle, please check their website in the description of this episode. If you'd like to hear more about Dawa Droma's films, please send her a note through the Chinle website. And any feedback or questions for me, please send me an email. Thank you, and I'll see you again next week. Bye.